It's been a minute, but damn it, we're back. I'm Chandler Adams here with John Kaufman. I don't know why I just introduced that like in the weirdest way. <laughs> I don't know. I that didn't sound weird to me. That's uh I know, but I feel like as if because I don't know. I feel like most people that are listening to the show have already listened to it, and I'm like, I'm Chandler Adams, and we're back with. But anyway, <laughs> it's been weird. It's been the weirdest year in my short 22, yeah, 22 years on this planet. Um, Easily. So, so I'm sure you guys have had enough talk about all that. So we're not going to talk about that because I'm annoyed with it. And as we record this, in seven days and two hours. The Browns will be playing the Ratbirds. And 6,000 people will be in attendance, which I think is very doable. Like 6,000 fans in that giant stadium. I think it's safe enough. I think it's cool that they're allowing people to be there. And um, the Browns are going to be playing football. Yep. Against the yeah. best team in NFL. So that's we had, fun. We had some college football on this weekend. There was uh, some fun games and stuff. I mean, it was a lot of, you know, mishmash and putting together a schedule at the last minute. Today, too, BYU is uh, playing Navy, and that game wasn't scheduled, you know, four months ago. They just had to figure, oh, you you know, we're available, so are we, so let's just put it together. So, but, uh, but yeah, it's real football. I mean, the NBA playoffs are currently going on. We've got the, we've got baseball going on. The hockey NBA playoffs, playoffs have been good. NBA yeah. playoffs have been good. MLB has been good. Yep. Indians fans, it's. Yep. Here's what I got to say for Indians fans, because most of you listening probably are. Um, the Indians are playing absolutely terrible right now, and they're in first place, and yep. they're one of the best teams in the MLB. Most people have, most experts have them in their top five um, power rankings. You have the best, nah, it's, it's close. First or second best shortstop in baseball is batting, what, like 250, I think, around mm-hmm. there. Um, one of the best third basemen. And baseball, certainly one of the best young third basemen because you got older guys that uh, Arenado and Bryant. But um, Jose Ramirez playing awful. You're being carried by Fran Mel Reyes, who mm-hmm. I thought he was going to be special, but I thought he's like a 270, 30 home run hitter. But he's been special this year. And single-handedly being carried by Shane Bieber and company. I mean, this is the most impressive. I don't care if it's a short season. If he keeps this up, the remaining starts he has this very well will go down as one of the best seasons in pitching history he's breaking you can can just give him the Cy Young now he'll be the MVP and Cy Young I mean yep this is one of the best pitching performances I've ever seen and especially in a weird year you you could argue that the weird year is making it easier for a pitcher because hitting you know there's a lot of nuance with hitting Mm -hmm. but nobody pitches the nobody paints the corners like Shane Bieber has lately and it's just it's beautiful to watch. We got Tristan McKenzie now. You trade away Clevenger and get a freaking U-Haul of prospects back. <laughs> I, I'll say this. I love listening to, I'm going to mispronounce his name, but it's something like Antonetti. Chris Antonetti. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to him talk a couple years back, and he said, you acquire young talent. And this is, this is I'm misphrasing him. I'm not saying it word for word. You acquire young talent in bunches. That way you can go and later on get the guy you want. But you can never just say like, um, so for those that follow baseball, a Gavin Lux who just got pulled up by the Dodgers or a Wander Franco who plays for the Bucks, or Jared Kalenic, the Bucks, the Tampa Bay Rays, or Kalenic <laughs> who plays for the Mariners. 
you're not going to trade for those guys. You're going to have to give a left arm and a left. You'd have to give Frankie Lindor and some to get a young guy like that. So you get all these young guys because baseball prospects are the biggest hit and miss thing on this planet. You hope one of them turns out. And if not, now you have five prospects you can trade to get a Brad hand in the middle of the season when you're on your run. It's a freaking great strategy. And it's actually what I've been doing in my dynasty baseball league that I took over a team that was in the worst place mm-hmm. I've ever seen in my life. Trade deadline was last night, made some big moves, got some big prospects because I nice. had about 40 green flags and you're only supposed to carry 10. I had mm-hmm. no, no active major leaguers on my team, but I got off on a tangent there. I'm just excited about the Indians. They're in a great spot. That's what I'm trying to say. They're playing terrible, and there's a good chance that if Frankie and Jose get hot and Carlos can keep hitting like he has been, yeah, they can they can win this World Series. If they start the Series. if they start hitting, yeah, it's they're going to be a really uh, they'll be a really tough team to deal with for sure because you're basically you know in a in a playoff um, any kind of a playoff series where it's shortened, obviously, like you. You know, if you get to start Bieber three times, like, or twice, you know, even if it's just twice or whatever, like, you you almost feel like they're automatic wins. I mean, yesterday, um, he, like, he still, he struck out 10. He only went five. He played um, terrible. <laughs> and it didn't look, right, it didn't look the same. I mean, it took them, I think, three innings to get, like, you know, two guys to even put yeah. a ball in play. But then after that, it, they did a much better job second, you know, time through the lineup. But but um, and he yeah, struck I mean, out Yellick twice or three times. Yeah. I think he only went through the order twice, maybe three times. No, I can't remember. Yeah, I, I think, think so. he got him three. Oh, twice. Whatever. You struck out one of the best hitters in baseball. Who I don't care if he's on a slump this year. He's one of the best players in baseball. Yeah, it made him look silly. Um, and like you said, if you can get to the playoffs and not have Tristan McKenzie pitch, because you just don't want to force a 21 year old into a playoff situation. Although this might be the year to do it with no fans, because it might just feel like a normal. I feel like it's going to feel like a normal game for a lot of these guys, especially the older guys with no fans for the playoffs. But yep, I don't know. Talented team, young pitchers, not a lot of money in contracts. Don't sign Carlos back. Get Frankie. Um, yeah. No, but you're right. I mean, you're bottom They're line. Is, yeah. Go it's ahead. exciting. Sorry. No, it's yeah. you're right, and it's exciting. Like this is you know. Um, and it feels, I guess it just feels more special because of all the, um, you know, the four months without sports, right? We were just sitting around like, you know, coming up with like, you know, even, even throughout the draft stuff, like there were, there were plenty of things to talk about prospects and all that stuff. And then the draft itself, but the second that ended, it was like, okay, I guess we just wait till September or whatever, you know? And so having baseball back, uh, you know, the way it is and, you know, the NBA and everything else, like, it's just, it's been nice to just flip the TV on and have things to, you know, watch and, you know, root for and everything. So, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, football, like there's just nothing, you know, nothing like it. Your article said it best. You can go find John articles, John Kaufman's article at www.atsports.net. Um, can you hear my family yelling in the background? Just did for a second, but now it's gone. Yeah. yeah. They were excited about my article too. That's nice. Thank you. Um yeah, that's a lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs> um but yeah, the the Indians are in a great spot. They're in a great spot to sign Frankie Lindor after getting all those prospects. But let's talk about the Browns. Yep. I'm excited. I'm excited. I I I'm, there's excited doesn't cut it. They're this is the most pumped i've been for football to be back in my life and i think it's because one we miss sports but also like this is just different this is different our whole lives as browns fans we spend talking to our friends who are fucking Bengals fans 
and they're like, oh, the Browns suck. Okay, we won a playoff game. We've won a playoff game more recent than you have, so get off my junk, first of all. Secondly, you always tell people, this is different. We're going to be good this year. And they're like, oh, you say that every year. You say that every year. Right. We do say that every year. Right. However, eternal optimist in Cleveland. I'm looking That's for right sure. into the camera right now, even though this isn't being recorded. Right into the camera. <laughs> for those of you that know who Nick Merckx is, I'm looking right into the camera like he is. And I'm telling I can vouch. You, this very intense. Different. This is different. The Browns have made, you know, signings in the past that have excited us. Um, but the what they've done. With and I'm signings, I don't just mean players, I mean coaches, staff, and players. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they've done with going this the analytical route, which by the way, you can 1000% be an analytics guy and still be a football guy. In fact, if you're not an analytics guy, I would argue you're not a football guy, you're just a big dumbass that's still living in the 80s, afraid of numbers. Sorry to be blunt, that's just my take on it. Agreed. Um, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, Sean Payton, you think these guys aren't crunching numbers with their 25-year-old Excel interns that are just running <laughs> thousands of algorithms to find out what plays work best against what? This stuff happens behind the scenes. Um but they went all they went all in on this route. They didn't they don't have a John Dorsey with the Kevin Stefanski who are butting heads to get to one goal. You know, this is two right. guys that see eye to eye. Andrew Barry doesn't act like he's above anyone else. He's humbled. He knows where he belongs. He doesn't feel like he has to make you feel inferior to know he's in charge. And they're both heading right in the right direction. They know where this is going. And I'm just so goddamn excited for that, John. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was uh, uh, Jake Burns, um, who is uh, writes for the it's the the OBR, the Orange and Brown Report. Um, so. And he's a great follow on Twitter, uh, you know, real like breaks down actual plays and stuff like that. So you really understand like what's going on, you know, um, from like a, a schematic level. So it really helps me a lot, like understand just the, the game of football, you know, way more. Um, but the one thing that really stood out last year that he kept saying was that you, you know, you notice that their offense, they don't really have like an identity. You know what I mean? Like, like what do they, what's like the bread and butter, right? Like everybody has like, um, you know, uh, a, a scheme, a, a personnel uh, grouping, um, you know, uh, some plays, whatever, that are like the foundation of the offense, right? Like like the Ravens are, you know, they the RPOs, right? The run pass option uh, stuff that they did last year um, with Mark Ingram, with Gus Edwards, you know, even Justice Hill to a certain extent. So like that's the nuts and bolts of it, right? And then things stem from there. And, and it didn't, you know, when he said that last year, it really just, was an eye opener. Um, you know, they don't, they didn't have an identity and, you know, it was come to find out obviously after, you know, everybody got fired, the kitchens would, uh, you know, that they're, they scripted the first 10, 15 plays like most teams do. And those plays were really good. Like they were pretty successful on that stuff. Um, they did a great job on opening drives, you know, scoring points, um, you know, way more often than not. But then, you know, after that, when it was time to kind of, you know, assess things on the fly and then create your plan from, you know, you know, in the middle of the game, it just really was a disaster. Um, you know, kitchens and Munkin butting heads and just, 
you know, like Munkin saying later, like we, we'd have like a plan and then, you know, he would just completely scrap it and throw it out. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it was just a bizarre, like, and, and obviously that translated on into the, you know, we, we saw that happening live. Cause we were just like, what is going on? Like you're losing games that you shouldn't be losing. And, you know, it's a pretty talented roster and yes, they were dealing with injuries on offense, especially, but um, you know, and the line, you know, there were issues, I get it, but like, you know, that's the worst possible, you know, like they hit the the basement last year, like with, you know, they, there nothing went their way and they couldn't figure out, you know, basically anything. And a lot of that was, like I said, coaching. Um, so, but this year, you know, again, like you said, it's, it feels very different because there is an identity on offense, right? Now, you know, you know, exactly like, and we haven't seen it yet, but we're assuming Stefanski, you know, there's going to be heavy, um, heavy packages, right? And there's going to be, um, a lot of 21 and 22 personnel, things like that. Um, so two running backs, two tight ends, or one running back, um, two tight ends, stuff like that. And then, um, you know, play action and things like that. Like there's going to be there, you know, there's an identity to this offense and that's the major difference. Um, so from just like a planning point, right? Like a schematic point and to touch on what you said about, um, you know, having the front office aligned with the coach, like, you know, Stefanski came in and said, this is my offense. This is the way we're going to run things, you know. And then Andrew Barry was like, okay, well, let's go get guys that are going to help you, you know, in that offense, right? So going out and signing fullbacks that they need and going out and getting tight ends and making sure that, you know, they have enough guys on the roster, stuff like that. Like, um, you know, it's it it's the vision and they're executing it, you know. Now, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. And, you know, maybe they have inju- injury bet, you know, bad luck with injuries again this year, or maybe turnovers are a problem or something, you know, who knows, right? There's a lot of things that can happen based on, you know, stupid luck and stuff like that. But the point is, is at least from the start, from the jump, there is a plan and a vision and that we haven't seen, you know, in a few years. And so, you know, from, if you just said that alone, Hey, Browns fans, you got a coach that has a vision and a plan and it's aligned with the front office. Like that just feels like sh- that should be the starting point for every, it feels like every other NFL team does that. And we're just like, Oh yeah, we've never tried that before. It feels like we, we probably, we probably should, huh? We probably should have a plan. Like, yeah, no shit. You should have been doing <laughs> this for years. Like, so yeah. I mean, based on that alone, absolutely. I, I am, you know, I'm beyond excited for this season. Yeah. I think, I think th- with the roster cuts, um, you know, I don't have a lot to say about it. I think Damian Ratley, like I said before we started recording, surprised me a little, but at the same time, um, you know, you have, you had two years to show what you were and you didn't. And also, this wide receiver room is just, I, I know that the wide receivers are, you know, some of the biggest names in football. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't always biggest name doesn't mean anything. I, every time I go through this wide receiver room, it's my absolute favorite room on this team outside of quarterback. I think signing mm-hmm. Case Keenum was absolutely freaking brilliant okay. running backs. Great. But you know, if Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb get hurt, knock on wood, like Darius Johnson, isn't going to win you games. Um, right. But still like a, a very good room, but this wide receiver room, not because of their depth and what they can do on the field, but because you have two, you have one top 10 receiver, arguably two top 20 receivers. Like, you have two freaking fantastic receivers. I'm yep. taking last year out of it. You look at everything they've done except for last year, and hell, they were both still good last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm going to list him as my number three because he's my third favorite. 
Kadero Hodges. I love Rashard Higgins. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love Rashard Higgins. But what yep. Kadero Hodges does for you on special teams is freaking different. Mm-hmm. Daryl Hodges and Donovan Peoples-Jones and JoJo Natson should make this team the best special teams group in the NFL. You have you have a top three punter in the NFL. You have yep. a kicker who was very good as a rookie in Cleveland. It's a very hard place to kick. Looked very good. If Coach Pryfer is very good, he is success has followed him, which isn't a coincidence at all the teams he's been at. JoJo Natson is an absolute blazer when he gets those punt returns. But don't be surprised if DPJ takes those snaps. Like he's built for kick returns. And, you know, hopefully Josh Cribbs is working with those two behind the scenes. Kadero mm-hmm. um, Hodges, he's obviously your gunner. He's not going to be returning kicks. But, what he does is special. And then talking about on the field, Richard Higgins is fantastic. And if Jarvis Landry weren't on this team, he'd be one of Baker's go-to just first down targets. I say that yeah. like Jarvis Landry, you never throw the ball to Jarvis Landry expecting this one might get dropped. This one might not get ca- caught. Catch radius, super small. Um, and his breakaway speed is not there, but he's super quick and efficient with his cuts. <laughs> and he catches he catches um everything in his radius and he'll yep. fight for the first down. He's one of the toughest receivers there. Odell Beckham yeah. Jr. I was texting John about this the other day. If you're taking a guy to just break off the play, we're not talking football routes anymore. We're talking play breaks down, Baker's scrambling, who's gonna make that play? This is like this is what a legitimate like if in basketball, play breaks down. You can just make a play. Football, play makes down. Lamar Jackson could just make plays. Like legit football players, not system players. Odell Beckham Jr. is ridiculous. I mean, any tape you watch of Odell Jr., Odell Beckham Jr., and especially any highlight tape, it's going to be him not running the route he was supposed to because he saw something and he knows his quarterback broke down. And I just, I. Oh my God, I'm getting so excited. <laughs> you can set up the run, which they will set up the run. When they set up the run and it's third quarter, fourth quarter, those cornerbacks are going to get tired. And these wide receivers aren't going to be very tired. They're not, they're, you know, they're, they're doing a little bit of work. They're not working that hard in the first right. half. They're obviously going to get passes, but this is going to be a low volume passing team. And I'm going to assume it'll be low volume, high efficiency. Could obviously yeah. not be the case, but. The, the way Odell Beckham Jr. can take take off the top of a defense, like he's very underrated in his speed because he's flashy, he's got a lot of swagger, but he's one of the fastest receivers in the NFL. I mean, he just he just has it. And then yeah, he plays fast. Yeah, and then you got like I said, Rashard Higgins, great possession receiver. Him and Baker have a good rapport. And then I'm not gonna lie to you, if I'm down at the goal line, Donovan People Jones goes in the game, and I know. David hmm. Njoku has disappointed a lot of you guys, and we're going to talk about this later in the game. But like David Njoku, Donovan People Jones should make Baker one of the most efficient red zone quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, hmm. just because of pure, phys- pure physical ability. Now, obviously, we need to see if being around Odell and Jarvis. And this offense is helping Donovan People Jones become a more refined receiver because he's not a refined receiver. And I blame that on Michigan, to be honest. Because mm-hmm. Urban Urban claimed him to be one of the best high Urban claimed him to be the best high school That's football right. player he's ever watched. Yeah. 
Um, I, I truly believe Donovan People Jones is going to be special in this league. But um, I, I don't. I just love this receiver room. Did I? Yeah. Did I list all six. Yeah, I did. Yeah, Hodge, yeah. Hodge, and then uh, yeah, what's then. his name too? Um, Nats, Natson likely. Yeah. Jojo I wouldn't put him in on offense. Um, maybe if you do a five five receiver set, but that's not going to happen very often. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, no, but you touched on it too. But Ratley getting cut was um, interesting, I guess. But it, um, you know, like having Higgins as the third receiver, like I, you know, that's another thing from last year that was like so surprising and just like why is this guy not on the field like where what is going on like i know we know he can play higgins's junior year at colorado state is one of the best college wide receiver seasons uh you know it's like it's like a top 10 season in the last like decade and a half like it's it was really really good like he was excellent and then the and i can't remember who the quarterback was but he ended up getting drafted um and the coach left too and so that, you know, the his senior year was just, you know, it was like it was a pretty big, you know, decline. So in production, but um, but his junior year was very good. He's definitely really talented. The um, I think Chad Thomas um, being cut was that's the one that surprised <laughs> me. I was like, whoa, wait a second. Uh, that Jeff, was a little bit. I think Jeff Lloyd um, maybe threw a party. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, of course, you look across the defensive line, uh, you know, and you're like, oh, well, I guess. That is sort of one of the places where they are, um, I, I guess, you know, they have depth and talent, stuff like that. Like, you know, Garrett Ogunjobi, Richardson, Vernon, obviously drafted Jordan Elliott this year. Yeah. Uh, Porter, what, Gust- Porter, Porter, Porter Gustin, Vincent Taylor, Joe Jackson, Claiborne. I like so, the Vincent Taylor signing a lot. And then, Bill, yeah, Billings opted out, correct? He was the one that opted yes. out. Yeah, that's very frustrating, too, because I really love that signing. That was one of the guys I was really hoping they would go after. Um, oh, Curtis Weaver. Curtis Weaver signing. I know, I know that doesn't play an effect to this year, but that's something that I haven't talked about on right. the show yet. I, I love that. I mean, yep. obviously, he doesn't have the athletic ability, but that's someone that has every single else outside of the athletic freak, Nate, freak ability. Yep. And, could possibly perform for you. And then obviously Adrian Claiborne, someone that gets left out all the time as well. Yep. Yeah. Billings, uh, or not Billings, sorry. The, um, uh, what's his name? Curtis Weaver was really good at Boise state and, uh, yeah. yeah, Claiborne Claiborne's interesting too. He's like a really, like if that, if it washes out, you're like, okay, no big deal. Like, you know, that's not the end of the world. It doesn't cost you anything. It's not, you know, but if like he ends up being like a surprisingly good, you know, he's like, Oh, he's your second or third best lineman. You know, that would just very, either. It, it could, he could very well be the third or fourth best defensive end on the team by next year. Yes. It just depends. No, and it, if, if Vernon gets hurt or doesn't show up again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's going to be opportunity for sure for a guy like Claiborne to make his, you know, uh, to get on the field and play well. I think about, um, these, I think about the third down, third down, um unit you could have on this Browns defense and I'm I get a little excited about it and this will kind of send us right into the free agent ads um yeah. that I think we need to bring in but on fourth down if you can have Sheldon Richardson you know because Sheldon Richardson still has been pretty efficient efficient of getting to the pass rusher he was he, every everybody on the Browns it's a common theme had a down year last year surprising but um I mean throughout his career he's proved he can get to the the quarterback I mean even though he's an absolute giant. What does he weigh? 294, 6'3, 294. He's a big boy. Oh, yeah. Huh. That's funny. I didn't know he went to Missouri. So he'll be a good mentor for Jordan Elliott. 
who, <laughs> by the way, Jordan Elliott's the steal of the draft. I'll reiterate that. Reiterate that all the time. But anyway, Sheldon Richardson, um, and Miles Garrett as your defensive tackles. Claiborne and Vernon on the edge, and you can even move. You can even move Claiborne inside and Garrett on the edge if he's having a good game. Um, it just all depends on matchup. But Garrett is just strong enough. He can go up against almost any offensive lineman in the league and do with him what he wants. Yep. Um, but if you can have three legitimate pass rushers and Sheldon Richardson on the field on fourth downs, and then um, linebacker-wise, you know, I, I truthfully am a bigger fan of Taki, Taki Taki than I am Wilson. I've said that a lot. I just mm-hmm. really like Takitaki brings but and then I think they need to sign a guy like Todd Davis um yep even I would go as far as to say like I don't think signing Nigel Bradham um would be a bad signing I like I don't think these guys move the edge by any means like I don't think this makes them oh my god they're not gonna lose but someone like Todd Davis is more proven than half the guys on this young Browns team. Like, I really love this Browns roster, but they're young as hell, have no experience. Um, and then obviously, like Nigel Bradham, he's just he's been on winning teams. Like he knows what it's like to be in a culture like that. And I just think that could help. Um, but and then oh, where was I going with that? Oh, like their third down squad, two linebackers out there. Then obviously Denzel Ward and you know, Greedy Williams, Terrence Mitchell, Sendejo, Carl Joseph, like whoever you choose to put out there as your defensive backs. But um, that's something I wanted to talk to you about, John, is like this, the linebacker and safety and cornerback, this linebacker and defensive back group. Would you agree? Like that's the, that, that spot needs to be upgraded for this team to be legitimate. Um, yeah, I would say, especially linebacker, like you, you know, you don't need, you know, some super stud, like some top seven NFL player, but the, um, what's called like you, you've got to get some kind of, um, I don't know, like you got to feel better about pass coverage stuff, especially like run fits, you know what I mean? Like that, I think they will be okay there, but like, it's going to be, if you've got two linebackers on the field in like nickel situations, like, can you, are you getting killed by tight ends and line, you know, running backs all the time? Like, cause they just can't run with, you know, a guy like BJ Goodson just can't run with, you yeah. know, most people. So um, that's where Grant yeah. Delpit was going to Grant Delpit was going to cover tight ends. Like, I mean, <laughs> Grant Delpit was going to be on Mark Andrews, um, Blake that, Jarwin. Uh, what other good tight ends do the Browns play this year? That, um, that's Dak Ertz. Yeah, Ertz, they'll play Ebron twice. Um, You're going to have Blake Jarwin from Dallas, Logan Thomas from Washington. Eh. Houston doesn't really have Jordan Akins and what's the other guy, but they don't really ever throw to those guys. So, Johnu Smith in Tennessee. Yeah, he's good. Hayden, oh no, not Hayden Hurst. uh, He's on Atlanta now. So, Andrews. Uh, the yeah, Giants at the end of the year. uh, Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be. The Browns are not good against tight ends. Um, they need not- to get better at that. And, like, not only do they need to probably upgrade at a few positions, whether it's trade or free agents, I just like they just need depth. They have no depth in the back half of that defense. And that's, yep. uh, that's, I would, I don't have the stats in front of me. I would say that's the most injured position in football linebackers and safeties and corners probably get injured some of the most in football because of all the cuts they're taking and, Yes, they're taking over the middle of the field and awkward angles they're hitting at. But anyway, I could go on and on about that all day. I'm going to list 
Okay. Real quick, the uh, um, what's called the so they have uh, I'm on the ESPN the depth chart and they have uh, Tay Davis listed as the starter at will right now. Um, you know when they're in kind of a base, you know three four. Uh, I'm sorry, four three. Um, you know, not nickel, obviously, situation. And interestingly, uh, Davis was at. Um, so my brother, uh, who's the defensive coordinator at Kent State, um, was uh, his. The job just before that was three years ago. Now he was the defensive coordinator at Tennessee Chattanooga, so which is FCS, obviously. But um, the uh, Tay Davis was there um, at Chattanooga when Tommy was there, and so um, he they actually recruited him to play safety. And then Tommy said after one practice, uh, they switched him to Will. Like, so, you know, he's obviously he's like a like that's your cover guy, right? Like if somebody was, you know, he used to play safety and now he's a Will linebacker, like he's got, you know, kind of coverage instincts, uh, you know, like he'll probably feel comfortable like dropping in zone coverage, things like that. Like he's obviously an athletic guy. Anybody that you take in, you know, safety and move to linebacker, you know, they're um you know, maybe speed was like an issue and they were like, ah, he's not fast enough to play safety or whatever. But like, but you don't necessarily, like, I don't, um, what's the best way to say this? Like, like coverage instincts and things like that, whether it's man or zone, that's way more important than being like, you know, oh, he's a, he's a four or five guy, you know, he's a four, four, six, one guy. Like he's, he can, you know, run pretty good for that size. So, um, so that's interesting. I just thought, you know, you know, talking to Tommy the other day and he was like, yeah, he's, uh, you know, he, pretty legit guy. Like after one practice, we were just like, yeah, this guy's, you know, he's a mauler. Let's get him up and, you know, have him play Will instead or play linebacker instead. So, but, uh, <laughs> yep. Pretty so awesome. pretty cool. And especially if he's going to start this year and get a chance, it'd be nice if uh, mm-hmm. see somebody like that ball out for sure. Yeah. For those of you that uh, haven't, if you want to listen to Tommy on our podcast, I think he's been on twice now. Go back and scroll through it. Yep. It'll say Kent State head coach or not head coach, Kent State defensive coordinator or something along those lines. You can find it. Yep. But um, he was a great mind to pick. Uh, I know John does as well, but I just love having people like him or Brendan Leister. Like, I just like and why I brought not brought John, why John joined the show, because like I like being around people smarter than me because then it makes me <laughs> learn. Like, I mean, in all reality, I agree. John and I were just talking about this. He is older than me, so he is smarter than me, and like it's helped me to not get complacent and just talk a bunch of garbage bullshit on the show. Like it's nice and having Brendan Leister on. Holy shit! I feel like I learn. I feel like I read seven textbooks after I talk with him. Hundred um, percent. Yep. But anyway, let's talk about something that's not so smart, and that's Ha Ha Clinton Dix's name. I okay. I hate that name, but I love. I love watching Haha play. Like, <laughs> it's ha- his real name is Hashan. It's H A Sean. So I, it's kind of interesting. It's like I don't know if Hashan. I think I I'd, I'd rather say Haha than Hashan. <laughs> Somehow. I like I a common theme with these cornerbacks and safeties that I want to talk about the Browns going after. And obviously, there is a limit on the price I would pay for these guys. I will say the Browns are second in cap space available. Yeah, they have a ton of money. Patriots. I'm not saying that makes the Browns a good team, but I'm saying it sets them up for a very good position. And Andrew Andrew Barry has done a great job of not just, hey, we're going all in, even though Baker's on his rookie contract. Because here's the thing. When your rookie quarterback comes in, you have like that second and third year to really push. And if it's not there, like there's no need to break the bank on everyone. You just have to bite the bullet that you're going to have to pay. Um, you're going to have to pay Baker. But like, I think that, 
the Super Bowl window on the rookie contract is probably over, but you never know. If they can get to the playoffs, everything is up in the air. But just just know that I you don't need to save all this money. Like I think that's I think that part's kind of over. Um, yeah, I could be wrong. But so you think Clinton Dix is someone they should probably uh, try to go after? So I'm gonna list the five defensive backs I really love. Okay. Um, now they don't all really fit Joe Woods' system very well. A lot of these guys aren't. Joe Woods likes to move people all over the field. He likes very versatile guys. But we also saw him do that at San Francisco, who had a bunch of versatile guys. So maybe that's not what he loves to do. I haven't heard him talk on this. I'm just throwing out, you know, what I'm thinking. Um, maybe he did that because he just adjusted really well to what he had. Like, he had very versatile guys that could move all over the field. Jimmy Ward, people like that. So, I want the Browns to just target some Damn veteran leadership in that secondary who have some swagger. Denzel Ward, Terrence Mitchell, Sandejo, Carl Joseph, uh, Greedy Williams, all these motherfuckers are quiet. I need people that want to be cocky in my secondary. I just dropped the mother effort word. Wow, that felt good. I needed to do it. I needed to do it. This is listed as explicit, so I'm sorry if you're listening with your kids. But it's okay. You get uh, the MPAA says you get one F bomb, uh, and you can still be PG 13. So we're good. If we go one more, we've oh. got to be R rated. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We're listed as explicit anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, there's only two people who listen to this show anyway, and um, they're me and John when we re listen to the show. But <laughs> I want swagger in that secondary. Like, if you go, if you go and ask. 100 NFL players who are the cockiest people on the field they all say the cornerbacks like it's a position that you have to be cocky in because it's one of the hardest positions to play in football outside of quarterback yep so haha Clinton Dix Eric Reed Prince Amukamara I think I pronounced that right you did you got it Tremont Williams and Akeem mm-hmm. Tlaib now Tremont Williams is very old but he's just one of those guys that could still maybe get you a stop here and there but He's already 37, 38, 37. I think. Okay. Yep. Yeah, he's um, just, I mean, Greedy and Denzel are like, they're kids. They're 24, 22, around that age. And that he could just really help shape them and also still play at the same time. And then I'll just go backwards. Akeem Tlaib, he's performed at some of the highest levels. He's obviously a little over his head lately. But mm-hmm. I I still think he's got some life left in him. If he goes to a team that's competing, a different culture, you know, we just need 16 games out of the guy. Like I think I think he could do that for you. The only problem with him is he's gonna want the bank. I and my I think he'll probably want the bank. Um, Amukamara, eh, you kind of you look back at that year that the Bears were phenomenal, and you wonder how much of it was the system that helped him. But like. Like Brendan Leister always says, you don't want black holes on your defense, especially in coverage. And coverage changes from year to year so so drastic so drastically. Get a Mukamara in on a one year deal. See if he can perform for you. Um he's not a black hole on defense by any means. Like he's not a liability. Um but he's getting up there in age. Another guy that's played on very good defenses could just help Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams. That's the common theme. Help Denzel and Greedy get to their potential. Yeah. Um, Eric yeah, he Green. just has the he just has the bus tag. Sorry from the because uh, he was a first round draft pick with the Giants, so and obviously it didn't work out there. But yep, I got yeah. you. So go yeah, ahead, Eric Reed. Yeah, Eric Reed obviously has done some really dumb crap. He's very vocal, mm-hmm. says a lot of stupid stuff. But when he's on the field, 
again, not a black hole. Like, none of these guys are absolutely great. I would say Earl Thomas is the only one on this list. I didn't list him because I don't want him because I don't want that kind of stuff in the locker room. So I'm just going to ask you about, about him if you were interested in him. So, no, locker room stuff keeps you away from him? Well, it depends. I mean, if he's willing to come to the Browns, yeah, I wouldn't be like, God, they signed Earl Thomas. I'm so angry. But, like, one, you know, if it's going to affect the role, like if he wants a one-year, $10 million deal, which like I don't think it'd be so, I don't think it'd be crazy for someone to pay Earl Thomas $10 million for what he could bring to you. Yep. Um, I don't like that because it hurts the rollover. It hurts the rollover cap. It hurts our cap this year. Like I just don't think he brings us over the edge that much. Um, but like if they sign him to a respectable deal, yeah. I'm not going to be mad. I think you would agree no. with that. Like, hundred uh, percent. I mean, he can play for sure. Flat out. He can play at 31 years old. Like, you know, it's just, uh, you know, free, uh, free safety, you know, center fielder. I mean, yeah, one of the you best know, just, ever do it. yeah, just do what you do. And, and it, I'm sure he's, you know, a step slower than when he was 24, but whatever, like you're, you know, you're looking through this free agent list and yeah, I mean, as far as secondary guys goes, he's got to be, you know, he's got to be at the top, obviously. So, oh yeah. But, he's definitely the, the most talented room. on this list. It's just right. the locker room. I did. And I, I just don't see the Browns ringing them in because they're so big on the locker room yeah, uh, being clean, but those are just the kind of guys like, obviously they're not all going to fit perfectly into what Joe Woods wants to do. They might not fit perfectly into what Andrew Barry's plan is, but sometimes you have to break away from your plan. Go plan B. You need secondary depth. You need veteran leadership. Like you can't win in the NFL without veterans. Um, I just think those would be all good looks. And then the linebackers, I have a much smaller list, but um, Todd Davis, Mm -hmm. very much not a liability, very much not a black hole, solid player that can help contribute today. Will start, be the best linebacker on your team. Um, Nigel Bradham, another guy, not an absolute black hole, can come in, could probably start right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if his play is declining, he's played on teams that know how to win. So even if you just have that in the locker room, like, hey, you need to do this, this is how you need to prepare for a game, um, you know, whatever it may be. He's already 30, so he's been through it. And then the one that I would like them to sign the most, and every Buckeye fan's about to just freak out and scream, Darren Lee, bring him aboard. He fits exactly what you want to do as Joe Woods. He can cover. He's fast. He's, his agility side to side is great. And he's played on a winning team, albeit they were a terrible defense. He played for the Chiefs. He's been in there. was still a winning locker room, even though that defense was horrendous. Yep. Um, I just I would really like to see Darren Lee get brought in. He's an Ohio kid. He'll he would love it in Cleveland. Like just they seem to like to go back where they played college. He's twenty five. I mean he's only twenty five. Yeah, yeah, you can sign him to a two or three year deal. Yep. And then the last person that I would kinda like the Browns to go after, um a little bit a little bit off the the norm. Just Terrell Suggs. I know he's old. I know mm-hmm. he's not as good as he once was. But God damn it, is he still viable? And he is one of the best. I mean, he's one of the best. I'm about to say defensive end. I know he played in a 3-4, but he's, mm-hmm. he's a linebacker. It's just mm-hmm. like Clay Tom. Like, it's like Clay Matthews. Like, they're linebackers, but you know they're edge rushers if you're, if you're watching them. He's just one of the best to ever do it. He played on the best defense to ever be in the NFL, arguably. Um, I just, I, I just don't think that could hurt you in any way, shape, or form. Olivier Vernon gets hurt. 
which wouldn't be a surprise. Terrell Suggs and Miles Garrett coming at you with Adrian. All right, so we just had a Wi-Fi outage. <laughs> uh, so that's why it just skipped for you. But in conclusion, Suggs good. Please sign. Uh, <laughs> this is the part I've been looking forward to. Um, the tight end room. Now. Yeah, this is I, good. Let's talk about this. I'm going to say this delicately. I don't quite get how people can already think Harrison Bryant is better than David Njoku. Now, I understand his accolades in college. I understand he won the best rookie at the camp award. But there's just a few things you can't teach in football. And one of them, actually all of them, are the traits Njoku possesses. I know he has drop ball problem. I know that he has had whatever was going on last year with Freddie Kitchens. I can't say what it was, but I know he had that going on. But his size, speed, and strength is something that simply is not, cannot be matched by Harrison Bryant. And we haven't seen Harrison Bryant take a single snap yet. So I guess basically what I'm trying to say is this is Njoku's spot to lose by a long shot. That's my feeling. Okay. So uh, the, and I understand what you're saying. Like it, it, um, it's a little early to say, you know, we just, we don't have any evidence that, that Bryant's going to be better than, you know, uh, Njoku or is going to be, um, you know, even a good NFL player. Like, obviously, you know, there's a lot to like and college production wise, you know, he, you know, winning the, um, was it the Mackey award? Um, yeah. so, you know, which is, you know, the first one to ever do it from like not a power five school. So it's very impressive what he did last year. Um, so yeah, I get it. It's, you know, we make, we want to make predictions and we want to, you know, know everything about a player instantly, right? The second he's on the roster, we're already like talking to him, you know, he's always oh, better than this guy. He's better than that guy. Well, we don't, we just don't know yet. That's all. So we have to wait, but you know, people are impatient and you know, this happens all the time and I get caught up in it too. You know, oh, this guy's going to be better than that guy. And you know, it's natural to do that. But the bottom line is we just don't, we haven't seen it. We don't have any evidence. So the other side of that coin, however, is that the um, like at a at a certain point, I don't care anymore about how big and how fast and how talented David Njoku is. When he's on the field, he drops the ball. Like he, you know, he's not good. Like it, well, and let me put it this way: he hasn't been very good. Okay, like he's had plenty of opportunities. He's kind of been the guy since they drafted him, um, you know. And so the bottom line is, like he just, you know. He, when he's not injured, he's on the field, he's dropping passes and stuff like that. He, he just, he's not, he hasn't been very good. And so that's the part where you can say, well, maybe Harrison will turn out better than him because Najoku, you know, seems like a giant bust at this point. And like, I don't, <clears throat> I, if, if it's unfair to call him a bust at this point, like that's fine, but I'm going to like, it's, it's up to Najoku to prove it now. Like you, there's no more, like you just get out there. And if you, th if you're, an, if you're a first round draft pick guy, if that's the talent you have and like this speed combination with size, we've just never seen before. Fine. Then go out and be a good NFL football player because what you've been so far has been very disappointing. So that's the part where, you know, Bryant might end up being better because, you know, if he's just not a bust, 
like Njoku has been up to this point. Now, I tend to believe that talent will win out and things like that. And, you know, I don't know if the drops were like a, a concentration issue, hand placement issue. Like if they if it can be coached out of him, uh, maybe that happens. You know what I mean? And if it does, awesome. That's great. Of course, I'm rooting for him, um, <clears throat> you know, as a Browns fan, of course. But like. But I'm also like, if we get four or five games into the season and he's dropping passes and stuff like that, <clears throat> like, excuse me, that's time. Like, you can't be on the field anymore. Like, you're you're a, you're hurting the team by being on the field. You know what I mean? So that's the thing. Like, he just the bottom line is he needs to go out and prove it, and it needs to happen yeah. now. That's the you know that's where I'm at with him. That's all. No, I I completely agree with that, and my, I guess it just keeps coming back to. And I'm not making excuses for him, but the team around him has been pretty piss poor, and especially last year. But then people are putting these unreal expectations for him to go out there and perform just because he was a first round pick. I, I don't, I didn't dislike the picking him in the first round. You got him at good value, I thought, for what he had potential to be. And you were at a spot as the Browns where you had to get, you needed to take a couple risks. Um, to get some superstar talent. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, there's a good chance he never turns out to be a superstar talent. But I think that it would be unfair for fans to already write him off, even though the Browns haven't had a good year while he's been there. Like, I think after this year, if the Browns perform the way they should, and Njoku's still out there dropping catches, not being locked in, still can't block very well, then by all means, you need to get him out of there um, cause I know damn well, Steven Carlson will go in there. He'll catch all your passes you throw to him and he'll block his ass off. Like he's mm -hmm. a good talent. If Steven Carlson's on a lot of teams, he, he probably gets some more snaps to be honest. Um, but I just think that, and not you, you're saying it with rationale. There's a lot of people out there just saying Harrison Bryant was the best, was the steal of the draft, best tight end in college football last year. He must start now. He must play now. Well, like. There's a lot of shit he lacks, and that's phys that's physical traits. Like he's very yep. slow, he's very weak. I'm short so, arms. So, okay, it was the short arms. I yep. said he had small hands the other day on Twitter, and someone argued, and I didn't argue back because I wasn't sure. I just said I'm pretty sure he has a pretty bad physical profile, including yeah. small hands. But it's the arms. He had yep. ridiculously short arms, yep. like running back arms. Yep. Um, and then Joku's the opposite. He's He's big, he's fast, he's strong, he's very long, and he's he's agile. Like he's he's very quick. I just Oh yeah. I think in a perfect world when you're running Odell, Jarvis, Hooper, Ninjoku, and Chubb, it's gonna be nearly unstoppable. Obviously, any defense can stop anything at any time. But like that's the lineup that what do you do? You put do you put your safeties? On the linebacker, I mean, on the tight ends, because Ninjoku is bigger than every safety in the league and can <laughs> outcatch them. Um, Almost faster than a lot of them, too. <laughs> yeah, and Hooper isn't going to break away from the safety, but he'll body him up. He he plays a lot like um, Zach Ertz in that way. Like, he'll body you up, play it like basketball. Tony Gonzalez, I mean, ex-Falcon, like, he, they, that's how they play. Obviously, Tony had, Tony's the best tight end to ever play, probably. But, yeah, like, if you th every time I think of Tony... Gonzalez, I think of him in the end zone, kind of like posting a guy up. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like what Austin Hooper can do for you. And he's also extremely smart and will find every hole in the zone. So if you play a zone against the Browns, you know, 
Jarvis, Odell, and Hooper are going to pick you off. Truth be told, I don't think Denjoku is very good at finding holes in the zone yet, but he's 22 years old, like 23 years old. Um, tight ends historically take like five to six years to develop yes. into good players. It's one of That's the hardest it. positions in the NFL. Yep. So I think I just, I just get so excited because, like I said, you put your safeties on our tight ends. One, you're, you're risking Odell taking the top off your corner. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> I don't know why you'd risk that. So then you're talking about putting linebackers on your tight ends. Now, I'm going to be quite honest. I think if a linebacker's matched up on Hooper, if he's an athletic tight end, he'll probably fare pretty well. Like Hooper's mm-hmm. not going to not going to beat you with speed. Um, if the tight end, if the linebacker's pretty big, like you're going to be pretty safe there. Um, but he's going to outsmart your linebacker on his own. However, you put a linebacker on David Njoku, it's going to be the opposite. Like safety, he's going to out muscle you, outsize you. Linebacker, he's just going to blow right by you. Like he's he's he doesn't look fast because of how long he is. He has like one of those body types where when he runs it looks like he's kind of walking out like jogging out there ninjoku's ridiculously fast like it it just blows my mind how slow he looks when i see him run and i think every year i forget how physically <laughs> gifted ninjoku is however i can talk all freaking day long about how fast ninjoku can be against the linebacker and how austin hooper's going to body up your safety but none of that matters if they don't go out and do there, I'm just saying what yeah. the potential is. No, no, I agree. And uh, what's called, I'll I'll piggyback on what you said with two little items, and then uh, uh, we can move on. Um, so, and you nailed it. The tight end is the when you look at the age at which players typically break out in the NFL. You know, like 22, 23 year old running backs, right? Like wide receiver. We used to say it was there uh, before the 2015. 14 class 2014 that's beckham and evans Watkins. that that's that year yeah 2014 before that we used to say third year wide receiver right it was in in their third year so you're talking about 23 24 year old guys you know um you know now a lot of rookies break out you know second year guys but the bottom line is it's um you know it's earlier like tight end is typically like 27 28 years old right so you're talking about like second contract and um if you're 27, 28, when you break out, then that means you're, they're all like technically busts, right? Like, yeah, because whatever team drafted you, you didn't work out for them. Most likely, like maybe they kept you because you were cheap. You know, you're not going to get a big contract because you haven't been very good so far. But the bottom line is like a lot of these guys are considered, you know, could be considered busts. And then they move on to a second team, a second contract. And, um, you know, you're learning the position. Like they have to learn a lot of these guys, you know, Evan Ingram is like a very special, like he's just a wide receiver, right? Like they're, they're not asking him to block very often, like if at all, right. They're just like, go line up in the slot, go be a mismatch. You know what I mean? For everybody, anyone that's going to cover you, um, you know, so that's like, that's a real special circumstance, but most of these guys, you know, you have to learn like how to play offensive line and you have to learn how to play receiver. Like, an offensive line in and of itself, like just, you know, slide calls, protections, like, you know, not getting your quarterback killed. Like that's stuff that takes a lot of time to just even be like league average at much less like good. You know what I mean? Like guys like Kittle are so special because they can do both at a really high level, right? Like he's a really good blocker and he's, you know, besides Kelsey, you know, maybe one of the best, well, he's not maybe, sorry, he's one of the best tight ends in the NFL. So, but yeah, so you got to learn two positions. It's really tough. And that's why these guys, he's all right. Yeah, he's just okay. That's why these guys break out later. Um, 
So, you know, that that he has that on his side, right? Like if it's taking him a couple years to really get comfortable, um, that's we should expect that. That's normal. So every, you know, we're so impatient. We want everybody to break, you know, everybody to be good instantly, right? We we drafted you, go out and be good right away. But that's a position where you have to have some patience. And the second thing um, is that when it comes to, uh, you know, like the Austin Hooper signing, maybe, maybe that just helps Njoku, you know, like, look, buddy, you don't have to be the one, right? You don't have to be the guy in the tight end room that everybody's looking at. Like you, you the superstar, like maybe that just takes enough pressure off where he can just kind of like, just relax, you know, like maybe not be so, you know, maybe it's nervousness or just tightness or, you know, he's trying to do everything, trying to, you know, you know, win every game with every catch and everything. And so maybe it's, maybe that helps out a little bit. I don't know. I mean, it would certainly, if Najoku has a good season this year, you know, the, the fact that he's, you know, progressing, that he's getting older, that he's learning things, the fact that, you know, Hooper's there, um, the fact that Stefanski's offense it in and of itself is going to help, you know, these are all positives that he has worked. So if you're going to do like a, can, is Najoku a bust? Yes or no. Like there's a lot of stuff to put in the pros columns, you know, where you can say, well, not, not yet. You know what I mean? Like, let's, you know, let's give it a chance and, and see what's going on. So, so I understand, you know, like I, I started this conversation out by saying, look, he's, you know, he's been a bust up to this point. We haven't seen it yet. Um, which is true, but the, that's, that can be the expectation for tight ends. You know what I mean? Like that can be, you know, he, he hasn't been good yet because he's just, it, it, it takes a while to learn it, you know? And so, you know, maybe that's this year, you know, maybe it's going to come together for him now. And all those things that we just mentioned, Hooper signing, you know, all that stuff is, is going to be helpful. So, so yeah, I mean, um, I don't think it's unreasonable, you know, to look at it, look at that and say, yeah, you know what it's, uh, you know, he's due, he's due for a good season. Cause he's finally got, um, you know, he's finally learned the position or, you know, and the offense will help all that other stuff. So, so yeah, I mean, up to this point, he hasn't been very good, obviously. Uh, injuries have hampered that, but when he's on the field, he hasn't been fantastic. So, um, but, you know, there can, I mean, the arrow can still be pointing up. And so I think yeah. you can look at him and say, you know, both things are true. He hasn't been good, but he can be, you know, and that's that's the level of optimism that we need to have with him. And that's, you know, I'm more like, honestly, I'm telling myself that because I've been harsh on him too. And that's that's the part where I need to step back and say, yeah, but come on, man, you know, it's not an easy position and he can still be good. So I just I need to keep that in mind for myself. And I would obviously encourage other Browns fans who are pessimistic about him to maybe see the glasses half full. Yeah, I think another thing is um, and not with Ninjoku, because um, I think most people would agree that coming out of college with his inexperience. So like when you draft someone with not a lot of football experience. Like, he started mm -hmm. playing at a very um, old age for a first-round pick. Um, and all that natural ability. Like, most people would argue, yeah, he's a flyer end of the first round. Like, trade up in the end of the first round. Um, take a chance on him. However, I think the word bust, when you look at someone like Daniel Jones, I think Daniel Jones will not ever pan out to be worth a, a top-ten pick. However... I don't I've been thinking about this lately. I don't think it's fair that people call him a bust because there's a GM out there dumb enough to draft him in the first round. Like, I don't know. I've just been thinking a lot about how the words yes. like, can affect the human being that is Daniel Jones. Yes. Like it's just and like Mitch Trubisky, 
it's not fair to Mitch Trubisky that he sucks. Everyone knew he sucked. The right. Bears were like, oh, my beer. We're going to do this anyway. Right. Like, I just think it's kind of bogus how much we throw around the word bust. Like, uh, the biggest one, the biggest bust I can ever think of in my life. Now, a lot of people will probably say um, Leaf, but I just wasn't old enough to remember that. So, Marcus I look Russell. at Anthony, Anthony Bennett with the Cavaliers. Oh, yeah. That's not Anthony Bennett's fault. Nobody knew who the goddamn guy was. Yep. Nobody. Nobody knew who he was. Right. I remember watching the draft and them all going, I legitimately don't have any notes on this guy. I wasn't mm -hmm. ready for him to be drafted in day one. Right. And he goes number one overall. That's not on Anthony Bennett for being a bust. He wasn't good enough. No, like, he just wasn't good enough. And that's on the organization. But that's just something I just had a random thought. I've been thinking about that, like, the past two weeks. I saw someone say someone was a bust. Um, however, like, people like Ninjoku, who have the talent, can't put it together because of, you know, maybe it's outside forces or just – it's not ability. Like, he has ability on the – it's just, like, concentration. Like, it's mental. Um, but I still think he has time to put it together. But, like, those Absolutely. are the kind of guys where you can say they didn't live up to their potential. Right. And now, like, Chandler, Daniel Jones – like you, you nailed it, man. Like I'm like, I love, okay, look, you talk about, you know, being, uh, you know, surrounding yourself with smart people. Like that's you, man. Like you just nailed it. Like th this is, uh, like I, it was Josh Allen was the one that really made me think this way, you know, yeah. like it is not Josh Allen's fault that the Buffalo bills are looking at this third, fourth round prospect based on, you know, his statistics in college, based on, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff, right? Like they fell in love with his athleticism and his giant arm, right? Like he's got, <laughs> you know, he can throw it through the goalpost from his knees from the opposite 40 yard line, right? Like he's, it's crazy, right? He could truck a linebacker. Right, right. And, you know, um, by and large, like he's, you know, his, his rushing ability has provided uh, them with a boost, you know, it's been, it's been helpful. Um, you know, they were good last year. They improved like he hasn't been very good, at, you know, as, as far as accuracy stuff goes, maybe that improves with a guy like Stefan Diggs this year, who was the number one receiver in deep targets last year. Like, you know, he's the best guy with, uh, you know, targets over 20, 15, 20 yards, whatever it was, he was really good. So, um, but yeah, like the, like you absolutely nailed it. I mean, it's not his fault that the bills took him where they took him, right? Like that has to be on them. And so you're right, like this, this word bust again, like we're so we want everything to be labeled instantly, right? As soon as somebody gets drafted, you know, uh, all pro bust hall of fame, like we're just so like, oh, he's amazing. He's terrible. Like, you know, and the truth, obviously, like everything, it's there's so much gray area, you know, and there's going to be ups and downs and there's going to be, you know, we see it all the time, seasons from individual players that are very good. And then we see seasons that are, you know, they regress a little bit and, you know, you find out all kinds of crazy stuff. Like we we found I found out like two months ago that Kamara was dealing with a uh, what was it sprain or torn MCL last year that he played through. Like, I know. And I was like. Okay, well, that explains a lot. Like, holy crap, you know, like the guy's going out there every week trying to put it together and, and really give it his all, you know. Here's a, and like, here's a, before, sorry, before you go on, because it's something yeah. I need. When, here's another thing I am starting to really dislike about professional sports. There are a lot of people in this world that will bitch at players for not playing when they don't get paid. If you're the Saints and you look at your star running back, 
who could have sat out and made he could have set four generations up with a with a contract this year. If you do not pay that man after he literally risks like I don't want to be like I'm being a little bit over exaggerated. Like mm-hmm. an MCL isn't going to destroy your life. But like let's say him babying that MCL turns into an ACL tear. He never gets paid again. Like he has lost all this money that he was going to get to put his ass on the line for your team to win a ring. Like he's trying to make you so much money it's unspeakable. Absolutely. That's how much money they would have made for the Super Bowl. And now if if you're the Saints, you need to go pay him. You you need to do something. Like you there are a lot of owners out there that do a lot of really good things. Like the first one that comes to mind when I think of owners that just truly treat their players right, it's Mark Cuban. Like he plays his play, players that maybe don't deserve to be paid. Um, he does well by his players. He truly cares about them. He does well for the community, uh, even though he doesn't need to. Like he's he's so wealthy, he can right. never do another thing. But he'll just go right. out and like pay small businesses huge checks just for nothing. Like that's the kind of owner you need to be. You need to treat these guys like, like I understand. I, I for every working class person out there, I'm right there with you. Like it sucks that these guys are getting paid tens of millions of dollars and it's not enough for them. But here's the here's the honest truth, which hurts to say, but like they've worked hundreds and thousands of more hours for their job than we ever will in our lives, and they're 25. Like they right. put so much more time into their jobs than we will when we retire at 60, 65. Like right. They deserve the money. They bring in the money. Like, if you don't like that they're getting paid more than you, find a job that pays you more. You just have to work your ass off to get it. It's not impossible to get there. Like, I don't know. You can continue on. I just wanted to say, like, I am tired of owners treating these players like garbage and then not paying them. And then they're just, like, gone. Like, they just never make money again because they Especially running back. Yeah. 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 You got five. Like, like, Kamara's, Kamara's almost done already. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you want to reward like you just in a, in a perfect world, like you'd love to see, you know, like uh, when you find out a guy like Kamara played through an injury like that, you want to see like the the uh, the franchise, you know, say, oh, man, thanks. You know, you did us a solid. Let, like, let's reward you for that. You know what I mean? And that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying, he, you know, you don't give him McCaffrey money because he's not Christian McCaffrey, like especially on the rushing side. McCaffrey, you know, can do a lot more running the ball. Um, they're similar in the passing game. But so, yeah, but. The bottom line is you're right. Like it's, you know, and to just kind of add on to what you said, like I, um, you know, if, if it were me, right. And someone's like, you could make 4 million this year, but maybe we could get you seven. Like, yes, I would like to have three more million dollars. Yes, please. Like who's saying no, like no one, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, you know what I make now, like seven, you know, three million, four million is a giant raise, right? And then yeah. <laughs> to go from four million to seven million is also a raise. Like, so of course, like it would be wonderful. But if you're in that situation, you know, of course you're gonna, you know, you want more. If someone's willing to pay you more, you want more. Like, why not get all you can? You know, especially when your shelf life is so short. You know, yeah. with, at the running back position. So, no, absolutely, I totally agree. Um, Luckily but, for uh, Alvin Kamara, like he's only twenty five. It's a lot more significant for players to get older. Um, yeah, but like, like look at Devontae Freeman; he's twenty eight years old, and he's not yeah. on a team. Yeah, he's twenty eight. At one point, people were arguing if he was one of the best running. He backs. was the number one running back in fantasy in like twenty sixteen, fifteen or sixteen. He was the yeah, number I one. Like, I meant like best running back in the league, like not fantasy. Right. Just no, like, but I'm just saying, like you're yeah, right. Yeah, like, like he was how, the top guy. 
it wasn't that long ago. It was a few seasons no. ago. Now you're like We're you can't. Gurley. Yes, same thing. You're like <laughs> now you can Gurley, barely Devontae Freeman find a roster for it. You know what I mean? Like these guys and Freeman might end up on a squad at some point this year if there's an injury to someone and it's like, oh, we need, we just need a warm body, right? Like Adrian Peterson signing with Detroit. It's like we just. You know, DeAndre Swift's been hurt. We we're not maybe all that uh, you know convinced about Carryon Johnson. Like, let's you know get in here. Like, we just need warm bodies at some point. So I like the Lions roster. <laughs> yeah, Except, I do too. Well, I liked it a lot more before they traded Darius Slay. I, yeah, I know that's that would have been not, nice to hold on to him for sure. So yeah, but you hope yeah. that Okuda can come in and take over for him. But anyway, we better get to these mailbags real quick. Yeah, let's do it, man. We got some good questions this week. So, um, we had, uh, the first we had, uh, we'll do two. We had the first one was from, uh, our buddy, Zach Weiss. Uh, he's at the triumphant 23, um, on Twitter people. So boo him. (laughs) And he's, uh, well, he's the, uh, uh, people know him as the, he's the host of the across the Cavs podcast, which he does a great job with that. That's a really good one. So if you're a Cavs fan and you're not, uh, you know, subscribing and, uh, listening to that, uh, please do yourself a favor. Yeah. Um, I want to give, uh, he's had four. Four former Cavaliers players, one being Mark Price and the play-by-play commentator. I can't remember his name. The new one. Gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, What is his name? I can't remember. But, yeah. But just scroll through the the play-by-play TV announcer for the Cavs. Yeah, I don't remember who that is. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah, sorry. No, you're good. He's been, yeah, he's been fantastic. So definitely check him out. Um, so his question was, he was just kind of saying, like, what what are the realistic expectations for Baker Mayfield uh, versus the Ravens? So what do you think, Chandler? Well, I'm going to repeat this throughout the season. Um, okay. I think any, what I really want to see from Baker Mayfield this year, I could give a crap less if he has 10 touchdowns. Okay. okay. All I want to see is that he's able to make reads on the fly. Mm-hmm. He struggled really badly last year to make reads, which was very uncharacteristic in college. Like he obviously has been the best throughout his career when he gets the ball out of his hands quick, like when he doesn't have time to think about it. But in college and in his rookie season, like he showed the ability to, if the play broke down, like he can make the second or third read. Um, last year he didn't like he had no ability to do that. Um, so I just want to see accuracy and ability to get to the second, third, fourth option without panicking. Like, I don't know if it was just panic. Uh, he knew he had a bad offensive line, but he's got the good offensive line in front of him now. He's got weapons everywhere. I'd say a realistic realistic week one for um, Baker is, you know, I want 65-plus accuracy. It's week one. You're not going to expect the best. Um, no interceptions. And, you know, maybe just a touchdown or two. I don't uh, – Baker doesn't have to go out there and throw 50 touchdowns this year for this team to win. Now, I think he's going to throw probably more touchdowns than one or two a game um, over the course of the season. But I realistically right. just want to see accuracy and ability to read the defense. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I guess I'll uh, – what's called I, – I think my expectation um, – and, well, the, and what's re- more importantly, realistic expectations for Baker – um, as Zach put it, is um, the so if the offense uh, is what it is, right? If the offense is um, you know this uh, a lot of heavy packages, uh, heavy personnel, um, 
it's going to be the you know outside zone running so it's a you know zone running scheme inside an outside zone um and you know play action passing things like that stuff where you're going to have um success on the ground you're going to be have you know clean pockets that are comfortable um if that's what's if that's what we see and you know it's a tall task versus a, a very good ravens defense obviously um but if that's what we see from them then I think the expectation is going to be, you know, for Baker to play very, very well um, and to not give, you know, no like interceptions, not giving the Ravens extra possessions. Yeah. Um, if you give that team extra possessions, like you're dead. Like that's not, you know, you can't, you're not going to go to Baltimore and turn the ball over and be like, yeah, we, we'll probably squeak out a win. Like, you know, that's going to be very, very hard to do. You cannot consistently put your defense, you know, in – negative territory and you know like it's just it's too hard it's too much so so realistically um you know if uh if what we see is what we expect to see from the offense and i think that that's like we should expect that because i think the one thing that really benefits uh this offseason has been anything but normal and it's been you know really tough and especially for teams like the browns who have a new head coach um implementing a new offense you know what I mean? Like this, the fact that the, um, this COVID, you know, with the off season, it's, it can be, you know, it's another um, obstacle to get over. Yeah. But I think the good side of that <clears throat> is, um, you don't, you didn't have any preseason games, so nothing's on tape, right? Mm -hmm. Like Baltimore's, they don't know what to expect. I mean, you can, you can expect Stefanski's offense, you know, you're like, okay, I think we know what, what they're going to run basically, but to be honest with you, like if there's a lot of pre-snap motion and things like that, like it, you could definitely see a situation where, you know, Baltimore is confused, right? Um, or they're, you know, they can't just rely on their athleticism. Um, like they're going to have to actually cover guys and stuff like that. And, and Stefanski's offense, one of the main things that it's going to do really well is put the defense in a bind um, yeah. to where you have to make choices like you were talking about earlier with the tight ends where you're like, how are you going to cover them on a passing play, right? Linebacker or safety, like what do you want to give up? You want to give up? You're going to play one-on-one -on -one versus Beckham the whole game? Okay, good luck. Like, it just takes one or two plays to break your back, you know? So yeah, it's that kind of stuff. So I think that's the one positive is that there isn't anything on tape. So you you come into the game with a bit of a mystery, um, you know, where they don't know what to expect or what they're going to see. So, but yeah, I think realistically, you know, if, if you get into a situation where, you know, it's it's like a 20 to 10 game at halftime, you know, that's where I think you can be, okay, this is very concerning because now we have to come out in the second half and it's going to be a lot more, you know, we're going to throw a bit more. Um, and if you get to a situation where they know what to expect, where they know what's coming because of the score, uh, the game script is dictating your offense, you know, that's that's obviously going to be very problematic. So, but yeah. if it's clean, if it looks like we think it's going to, I think realistically you can expect, a you know, a really solid game, like you said, 65 to 70% you know, no interceptions, you know, one to two touchdowns and then success on the ground obviously is going to really help him and the whole entire offense out a lot. So, yeah, I think um, another thing that I keep forgetting about until it comes like I, I just when I think about the Browns offense, it's something that doesn't come to my mind right away. It's that um, the ability and Stefanski's, and Stefanski's offense on the play action the ability of vision for the quarterback is improved immensely. Like, I know my words are all over the place right now, people. No, yeah. I'm trying to get there. But, like, 
I I can't remember if we talked to Tommy about it. I think we might have talked to Tommy about it, John. How um he said as a defender, when your quarterback is constantly in play action, and not only that, they shift the pocket. Like they will move the entire right. pocket and this offense. Um, it makes it almost impossible as a defense to expect to know what to expect um with placement of the ball and stuff like that. I can't I think it was Tom that was talking about that yes. as a defensive coordinator when we talked about okay. Right. Yeah, so he like, mentioned real he mentioned uh playing, you know, they linebackers and stuff, they want to play downhill, right? So they're always, you know, you're you're uh, you're moving forward. You want to, and you're stopping the run, you're run focused, right? Yeah. So it's gonna be like a play action is so effective because you have to, you know. Like your discipline tells you to shoot that gap to make sure you're stopping the run, but then all of a sudden you got to freeze and get your ass back to your zone because it's not a run anymore. So yes, yeah. absolutely, it's the bind. That's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and I just I that is something that excites the hell out of me because Baker's Baker's small, but he's deadly accurate, and he had a lot of problems last year getting balls batted, and I think this will really help. And I think the balls were batted last yes. year because of the the complacency of the offense like everyone was just sitting still it was very stagnant this won't be like that i mean realistically like what kirk cousins did last year that's exactly what baker should do like ability wise they're not that far off like baker's got a little bit of a stronger arm baker in college threw a little bit better like out of a breakdown but that's because michigan state and oklahoma are just yeah, worlds, very different. worlds apart <laughs> very different. um michigan run michigan state runs on first and second down oklahoma's throwing hail marys on first and rpos <laughs> on third down like lincoln riley's just built differently but four verts on every play absolutely yeah like baker mayfield just has he's been through a lot of offenses that's another mm-hmm. thing we need to realize like yes this is now his fourth offense in four years he went lincoln mm-hmm. riley todd haley Freddie Kitchens, now he's in Stefanski's offense. So, like, mm-hmm. this isn't going to be butterflies and rainbows. It's going to be a struggle. Um, he's fit again. He's got great weapons around him. Mm-hmm. And he is really smart. Like, he's very high football IQ. Um, everyone that is around him, like, every – it's kind of funny what I think about Baker. It's like every pro or former pro that talks to him now loves him. People mm-hmm. like um, – Marcus Spears, uh, he was on Get Up one time, and Marcus Spears was on there, mm-hmm. and he talked to Marcus Spears, and Marcus Spears straight up said right to Baker, "Wow, I didn't like you before, but now I do." Like nobody <laughs> likes Baker until they're with him, and then they realize, like, I mean, he's just like he's just confident. He's really cocky on the field, but he's like a nice kid. He's smart. I think him and Stefanski are going to work perfectly together. But I mean, you play two really good teams in the first four weeks. There's going to be bumps and bruises, but it's really this is this is a long. This is not a one year deal. Like the Browns are not built. They shouldn't be winning this year. If they win, they do really well this year. That's freaking fantastic. But you bring in a coach, GM, offense, like all brand new of those. I forgot to say brand new. Brand new coach, staff, an offense, young quarterback, new tight end. Like this isn't supposed to be a one year fix, guys. So just. Let it happen. He might struggle a bit week one. He's playing against one of the best defenses in the NFL with pressure of trying to beat the guy he was drafted before. Like, yep. I don't know. It's a lot. There's a lot that could go into it, but that's just what 
No, and you said it. Bottom line is this. Realistic expectations for Baker this Sunday and for the season is that if you're if you uh, you take the coach from Minnesota and you move him over to Cleveland and you have a quarterback like Kirk Cousins who, you know, found success last year, obviously. And well, the last, you know, 18 games, he uh Stefanski took over at the end of the 2018 season calling plays. So you got a season they were and good. a few games. Right, exactly. So um and if the I think the floor is Cousins' season last year. Um yeah. and I say that because Baker is more talented, right? Like talented. Kirk Cousins was not the number one pick in the draft. Baker was. Like, you know, Kirk Cousins didn't win the Heisman. Baker did. So Kirk you know, Cousins you, doesn't get along <laughs> with his Kirk Cousins isn't like his receivers. And I'll just, I mean, I'm just going to blatantly say it because I'm not racist, so I feel comfortable saying this, but a lot of receivers in the NFL are black. That's how it is. Obviously, he had Adam Thielen up there, but like Kirk Cousins is like just not in that world. Baker Mayfield is in that world. He's young, he's hip, he understands. Like him and Odell are best friends, and like they shouldn't be. They're from two separate worlds. Baker grew up in Texas as a white kid and. Odell, where'd Odell grow up? I can't even think of it. He grew up in Louisiana, but, um, like, Baker just understands his receivers better than Kirk Cousins, I guess. Like, on a, in just a worldly way. Not like he doesn't understand them better on the field. Like, did that right. make any sense at all? Like, Yeah, like his buddies, or, you know what I mean? Like, just, yeah, like, you know, like, getting, Baker getting, like, to the same music, they, right. they wear the same kind of clothes, they yes. hang out with the same people, like, um, and that's, that's really important as a receiver. Like, and I'm by no means was I trying to call Kirk Cousins racist there. I'm just saying like, they're just different people, which is fine. But like a lot of people that have played with Baker have said like, he's, you know, he's friends with everyone in the locker room. He agrees with everyone. Like he gets along with everyone. He understands everyone's points of view. Like that's really important. That's, yeah. and I just think like that goes along with how you said Baker's much more talented than Kirk Cousins. Like all these right. things come together to more of what should be be a perfect match yep i don't know so absolutely yeah so we can you know the floor can be cousins the season last year and the ceiling could be anything above that you know what i mean like depending on you know uh if baker puts it together and you know the the offense is clean and comfortable pockets stuff like that and it's successful especially the running game which we expect it to be so things like that um yeah absolutely the uh gosh i'm sorry i keep clearing my throat excuse me the second question we got was from uh uh, our buddy Hellhound over in uh, the UK. Um, so he's at Dog Pound East uh, on Twitter. So, and he's, you know, huge Browns fan. Um, awesome. You know, always responding to, you know, us on Twitter and asking questions and really just a really cool guy. So um, another great question from him. So we appreciate it. So both you guys, Zach and Hellhound, thanks. We appreciate it, man. Um, so he said Baker has the fifth highest grade uh, per pro football focus when targeting tight ends. Uh, likewise, fifth most touchdowns to tight ends. Um, he said, so we essentially we beat the Ravens by running, you know, with Chubb and Hunt, uh, short throws to the tight end, Hooper and Joku. Um, what's it called? Uh, you know, why can't I? Harrison Bryant. Sorry, did I just totally blank on his name? Yeah. The guy, the rookie we drafted, we were just talking about him. So, oh, Harrison. Harrison. yeah. Um, yeah, thanks. Sorry. And then um, and then stretch the field with. Um, you know, Odell and uh, Jarvis. So, and then probably some, you know, you can toss in a little bit of Higgins as well. So, um, but yeah, so bottom line, and I responded on Twitter, I just said like, look, he, Baker's been uh, better throughout his career targeting tight ends. Um, 
And then when you look at his success, when there is 11 personnel on the field, so that's uh, the number is um, the first, when you say 11 personnel, you're calling out who's on the field. So the first number is the number of running backs. The second number is tight ends. And um, then you deduce that there are, you have to have five of those kind of players when it comes to running backs, tight ends, wide receivers. So the number you just subtract from five. And so now we know if there's one running back and one tight end, then there must be three wide receivers on the field. Um, so he's been more successful with like heavier packages. So we say 21 personnel, which is two running backs, one tight end, or 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, um, and two receivers, uh, obviously, is the number left over. So, um, and that's per Warren Sharp, his Sharp football stats and stuff. He, uh, um, He's talked a lot about this, and that's one of the reasons he likes the Browns so much this year is that, you know, they're going to run a lot of 12 uh, personnel, 21 personnel, 22 personnel, um, where they have, you know, running backs and tight ends on the field. Baker's been very successful um, in his career, you know, throwing in those situations. And so that's what we're going to, you know, that's what we expect to see. So, um, <clears throat> so if that's what we expect to see, and he's been successful doing that. I think it's, again, reasonable uh, expectation-wise um, that he's going to find success and be, you know, very he'll, – he'll look good doing that kind of stuff. He's going to look more comfortable than he did last year, obviously. Um, of course, the offensive line has improved. You know, Jack Conklin signing, drafting Jedrick Wills. Um, you know, you've already got a better offensive line, obviously, so that's really how – and Nick Harris is probably going to end up playing a lot this year just because of – injury situations, treader, you know, stuff like that. So, um, could be a really solid depth pick, but, but the bottom line is, yeah, like if you, um, if the Browns are controlling the tempo and the clock in this game, right. And they're somewhat dictating terms to the Ravens. It's not all, uh, you know, the Ravens are running all over and eventually it's just, we're going to have to pass on every play cause they're down. Um, so if they're controlling the game and the tempo, and they're doing it through, you know, their off their game plan, right? The way they want to play offense, the way they want to, um, you know, just uh, call plays and dictate terms and things like that. If that's what we see, you know, then that's the solid game plan, right? And that's exactly, you know, that's the way to beat Baltimore. It's it's going to be, ironically, very similar. Like if they win, it's probably going to look a lot like the win last year in Baltimore in Week Four when they, you know, they ran the ball with great success. Uh, they dictated terms. They turned Lamar into a uh, a thrower for the whole entire game, and obviously it didn't you know work out. It worked out for the Browns. So, so yeah, I would say like if 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 they're if the Browns are one and zero, you know, come Sunday afternoon, it's going to be because of all that stuff that we that I just said. It's going to be you know uh, controlling the tempo and the clock, dictating terms on offense, being comfortable in what you do, and having and finding success in it as well. Yeah, I I'm not even gonna step on that because <laughs> that, that, that was good so i'll just be stepping on your toes because i'll be saying the same thing but one thing i do want to say is john you opened my eyes up to this last year when we were doing our dfs pods which now is a good time to tell you guys like we will be doing our dfs and betting pods this week that'll be on across the board it'll be on itunes spotify um, google wherever you listen to it um so go follow that one subscribe to that one too absolutely but um I would always say that I didn't trust Lamar Jackson. I didn't. I don't like Lamar Jackson as a quarterback. Yada 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 yada. Right. Well, like during this quarantine, it hit me like I'm just done disrespecting good players because they're on a different team than I like. Like, so for example, like Kevin Durant, um, LeBron when he went to the Heat, Lamar Jackson now, like 
all these players I've always just kind of like, oh, I don't like them. James Harden. Um, I'm just done with that, dude. Just this is my advice to you. Still want your team to beat the team that is the right. Like, obviously, I want the Browns to go out there and mollywop the Bengal, the Ravens. I don't like the Ravens. But my God, Lamar Jackson's a great kid off the field. He's the most talented quarterback and like just all around, like everything included. I would say he's probably the most talented quarterback in the league. Like, obviously, his throwing is not up to par with Rodgers, Breeze, Wilson, Mahomes. But like what he can do with his feet is freaking special. Just like do this for me, Browns fans, please. You don't have to like him. But when he makes a big play, like, don't go and make excuses. Just say, God, he's just good. Like, he's worked his ass off. He's very talented. Like, Especially when in the other games, when they're not playing the Browns. Like, that's when you can really just respect his talent and ability and, and just kind of watch, like, as a fan of football and be like, whoa, yeah, this is really he's good cool for what the he's game. doing. He's yeah. so good for the game. Absolutely. He's, he is. And don't think that just because he's here, um, it's going to make it a running league. Like, not by any means. And if you're scared of Kyler Murray, like Kyler Murray has one of the best arms in the NFL. Like, I don't care how fast he is or how small he is. Like quarterbacks are always going to have to throw. You can't win. You can't run your way to a Super Bowl. It just can't happen. Um, And I'm like, honestly, terrified, but excited to watch Lamar Jackson grow. He's 23 or 24. Yeah. And he can't throw the ball yet. Like he can't win you a Super Bowl throwing the ball. I should say that he can obviously throw the ball. Um, he can't win you a Super Bowl throwing the ball yet. He's got, realistically, if he doesn't get hurt, 10 more years to keep improving. And then, like, 33, he'll probably start declining again. I'm like, <laughs> he's never had issue, injury issues. He's built. He's very, like, he's just very sturdy, like, sturdily built. He's he's strong. He's not too lanky, but he's not too big. So his joints aren't tanking big hits. And this is something that John and I have talked about on the podcast before just because you're a running quarterback doesn't mean that you're going to get injured easier if you get hit or because you're a smaller quarterback like either of those two things i think they can um be put together like lamar jackson knows how not to get hit kyler murray right. knows how not to get hit yes ben roethlisberger he's bigger and he's been injured more because he takes hits like he's right. just i'm bigger i can take this hit like there is a very real possibility in which Lamar Jackson doesn't ever have a major injury in his career. We all want to look at Robert um, Griffin. Robert Griffin. Just yes. Our, well, that was why the fuck did I say Robert Griffin? Oh, that's our, now we're R rated. We're R rated now. It's official. Perfect. Now we can just now. R G three. Like okay. it felt so weird to say Robert Griffin. It is that weird. Felt yeah. So weird. I was like, that's not the right name. Okay, no. we all want to look at R G three because he tore his ACL. That's very unfortunate. But like Michael Vick, never. You know, never had a career-ending injury. The uh, broken leg in the preseason when he got they—that's when they added the. Uh, uh, he got tackled from behind. That's when they added the horse collar thing. Yeah, he, yeah but I mean, he never had a. No, no, but that's it. G three ruined his career. Right, um, right, because Cam he didn't Newton. know how to slide or not take hits. Like he got hit when he got whacked on the sidelines for the first year with the Browns, and you're just like, "Are you kidding me?" Like yeah, that was uh, it. You're like, "This, you know it's how. done." Right. You look like but, Josh McCown. And we don't see right exactly, and we don't see that happening to Lamar. You know, because right. hey, well, his quickness obviously is other, you know, like elite levels. But but also, like you said, he knows how to not get hit. So yeah, Cam Newton's another one I think about. Like we always talk about how he's a running quarterback, so he gets hurt. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the truth. I think he gets hurt because he lowers his shoulder into people. Like he just, he's not having lower body injuries, which is what terrifies you as a runner. Like if you're running, you're afraid 
I'm going to plant my leg. I'm going to get hit from the wrong angle. Bada bing, you blow it out. You're never running again. Yeah. Cam Newton tries to truck everyone, and he's had shoulder injury upon shoulder injury upon yeah. shoulder injury. Another thing, which is a whole other concept, is he went completely vegan. And I think, I think that might have something to do with it. I think diets are completely based on personal, like everyone's body reacts differently. But he started having all these injury correlation when he went vegan. And I, I don't know. Hmm. Could be that. But like Jarvis Landry's vegan, he doesn't get injured. So like, right. It's just never it's missed a game. It's just body. It's just, it just depends on your body, I think. But I yep. just, I just respect Lamar Jackson. Like, don't say he's ass because he's different. Like, if he were yeah. on the Browns, you guys would all be wearing number eight jerseys every single week. Oh, of course. Like, it's, of course. Just enjoy the fact that we have. Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson in the same division to grow. I'm not going to list Joe Burrow in there yet because there's very, very, very little history backing up that he will be good in the NFL, but we'll see. How about, how about if I uh, put it like this for you? Let's see if this makes sense. So uh, if the Browns, uh, you know, if the Browns make the playoffs and then they happen to lose somewhere, you know, before the Super Bowl, right. And, you know, while it would suck obviously to have the Ravens win another Super Bowl or even really play in it. Cause you know, then it had the opportunity like, but the football fan, just the, 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 the guy that wakes up every day and just loves football, right? College, NFL, whatever it is, just loves, like, I love the game of football for so a bit, a bazillion reasons. Okay. That guy, like, if you say, if the Browns aren't in the AFC championship game, uh, but you're going to get Kansas city versus Baltimore, mm. I'm like, okay, that's the game I want to watch. Right. I want to see those two teams and those two coaches and those two quarterbacks like going at it. Right. And yes, like it sucks if the Ravens win that game, then they're playing for a Super Bowl, and you know, it's the franchise, you know, it'd be the third one. And you're like, Oh, come on. Like, I, I don't want, you know, let's get the Browns in there obviously. But, but like just the straight up football fan in me, like, yes, I want to watch Mahomes and Jackson, you know, I'll do, I'll try to outduel each other and just, you know, like that's, you know, and that's the level of respect I'm talking about. Like, right. Like yeah. just appreciate what you're seeing you know, as a fan of football, even though the guy plays for, you know, the team that obviously that we really, you know, hate it's Pittsburgh and Baltimore at the top of that list. So obviously, yeah, but yeah, so yeah, that's I, all. I, yeah. You don't have to love Lamar Jackson. You don't have to go get a Lamar Jackson Jersey. I'm just saying, yeah. don't make excuses. He's good. That's, right. that's really it. Just appreciate what you're watching. It's like, it's like LeBron people will hate on him and you're watching his last few years and we're finding reasons <laughs> to not like him. I just saw someone post LeBron James, stats um in the playoff in his playoffs all time nick wright tweeted it he's first in most categories if not top three of course um someone the first the top comment was what about his offensive rebound percentage i'm like are we really are we <laughs> lebron's not as good as michael because well he's six eight but he wasn't getting enough offensive rebounds like we just gotta stop with the hate just start appreciating stuff you because I mean, it might be middle of the season. The it's very realistic. The NFL gets shut down midseason, so enjoy it while it's here. Like I hate to be shitty, but people aren't. Never mind. I don't want to get there. Wear your fucking mask, and the NFL will play. Exactly. Um, Fine. Um, but yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, well, thanks again for you know Zach and Hellhound for the, those questions. Uh, they were you know really good, obviously, and I appreciate the uh, responses on Twitter. It's always really cool. So. Um, we probably, you know, pretty much do this for all our shows. So if you guys ever have questions uh, that you want to get in there, you know, please definitely let us know. Um, I can't believe we actually get questions. 
can't believe Absolutely. people actually listen to us mumble rumble not mum not mumble was ramble great. ramble on that's what i was trying to say mumble Absolutely. on yep. um okay yeah, the but... song should be the theme song for us <laughs> <clears throat> for sure. so we didn't get into our sponsors this show but i'm just gonna say it really quickly if you yep. go to our website hawaiian coffee company right on there if you shop through that link it helps us you get great coffee i actually oh. like it Truly Delicious. love the coffee. I had the Lion's Roast, just original. Yep. It's amazing. Um, I am talking to some energy drink com- companies for those of you that don't like coffee. So hopefully that goes through. And then obviously, and then when you listen to our betting show and our DFS show, um, we'll hopefully have some two great affiliates there for you to log right in, follow along with us, and get some free money from them and free money from us helping you win. Absolutely. And John, um, I think we need to have a little bit of a like Obata. competition to see who does better this year on our bets and our DFS. Yeah, absolutely, man. Let's go head to head. I'm ready for it. Okay. For sure. And like um if he's do you remember doing this with uh Geesler last year? Goose? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um if he's free, I might have him hop on a couple. He said he might um Great. We'll all just yeah. see. But he's really knowledgeable. Love having him on. Those those were the most fun podcasts when we were doing the DFS stuff. I like. I enjoyed. No, I, can't, I can't wait to get back into those for sure. And yeah. that we'll do. We're gonna record. Uh, the plan is to record one this Wednesday, so two days from now, so that we're ready to go for uh, you know NFL football on Thursday, and then obviously the weekend after. So or the yep. you know this weekend. So week and one. that one will be cut into two shows. We're gonna record at the same time, but one will be for the betting, one will be for the DFS, just in case you don't want to you know listen to yep. one or the other and then it'll be a little shorter and then yeah but download and like the yeah. both, please yeah download leave us a review if you're on apple um yeah that really helps yeah i really helps. hopefully tonight and tomorrow i'm gonna work on a not a script but kind of a way to flow this show better you know introductions ads in the middle just make it flow better for you guys but i don't know cool we're getting better all the time um we can uh wrap this up by uh we wanted to just toss out you know each of our kind of predictions for the season so obviously oh, yeah. one's upon us and uh you know so we're just gonna kind of not go through every game obviously but just kind of throw out like what do we what do we expect for the 2020 brown season uh as a whole so go ahead chandler what would what are your expectations for this year prediction wise so i want to throw out a record but I think I'm just going to say this. Okay. My prediction is they will they will finish second in the AFC North. Okay. I really I really think they will finish ahead of the Steelers. Um okay. I agree. Even if they don't finish ahead of the Steelers, I still think there's a very good chance they make the playoffs with the new wild card system. Right. 7 teams this year, remember not 6. Right. Record-wise, I don't know exactly what I expect them to be. I'll say this. They have 10 to 11 very winnable games. Um, The two games against the Ravens, the two games against the Steelers, um, then the Cowboys. Those are the five teams that extremely scare me. Yep. Um, I I think the Eagles are very beatable. Um, And that's a home game for us. That's good. They lack weapons um i'm not huge on miles sanders uh zach Ertz is obviously one of the best tight ends in football yep um and then i'm not i like 
they don't terrify me with their um, receivers. Uh, Wentz is obviously Terrell very Hart. talented. Um, if if Wentz plays, it's a scary game. But then their defense, like uh, their defense is good. It's not great. They got a lot better at the only position they really struggled at, and Darius Slay. Um, but this is it's a the, the Eagles. It's a winnable game. Houston, I'm not worried about it. Um, I think they actually have a very very bad roster. They're just led by a top five quarterback. So. Yep. Obviously, you can't walk into there thinking it's a win, but they can they can play against them. And then the Titans are also another game that scares me. Although I think they have a big, um, like a big drop off here. I don't think they play as well as they did last year. Like they're not going to be bad by any means, but last year they played everybody on that team played better than they actually should have. Um, Derrick Henry. I'm not even keeping up to date. Isn't he in a contract year? Like, isn't there a chance he sits out or did he get? No, they, uh, I think he signed a deal. Okay. Or no, is he on the franchise tag? He might, I'll look it up. Go ahead. You can keep going. I'll look okay, it up. But, um, Ryan Tannehill, easy, easy drop off for me. Like just quarterbacks like him that play like that usually don't repeat. Um, oh, sorry. So bro. July, he signed a, uh, Derrick Henry reached a four-year, fifty million dollar contract, includes twenty-five and a half million guaranteed. So yeah, he did. I couldn't remember if they franchised him or not. Four-year, fifty million. Uh, yeah, that's a really good deal for the Titans. Yeah, that's what twelve and a half a year or something like that. So that's. I mean, obviously he's getting yeah. close to up there with his miles, but he's not slowing down. I think I actually like that signing for the Titans. But anyway. Yep. Um. Yeah, I mean the Cowboys scare me, the Ravens scare me, the Steelers scare me, and that's the only teams on that list where I'm like. I'm nervous for that week. I think right. the Colts, the, the um, Titans, the Eagles, the Texans, these are all teams that are good, uh, but they they should be beatable. The, yeah. the Browns are more talented than. I'm not convinced the Browns are more talented than the Cowboys, Ravens, or Steelers. I, I'll say that. Okay. Okay. And then, gotcha. oh, okay, they're more talented than the Steelers, but the Steelers have that culture. I'll say that. Uh, that's, what I, that's how I'll word that. Steelers right. have the culture... I think the Browns are a far more talented roster, though. The Steelers, in a year in which, uh, you know, Devlin Hodges and Mason Rudolph play quarterback for your team, two of the worst quarterbacks we've seen on the same roster in a very long time, they, the Steelers went 8-8. Eight and eight. Like, yeah. if you, you know, if you need more, if you, if you were on the fence about, uh, you know, Mike Tomlin being a great head coach, like, get off the fence. Come on down on this side where all the smart people are, where we're looking at that going, how did you win eight games with that roster, with those quarterbacks? That's insane. So the people that thought that he he's been coaching there for how many years and never had a losing season. Like you don't accident, you don't coincidentally not have a losing season to be a bad coach. Right. So expectation wise for me, um, uh, here's what I'd like to see. Um, I'd like to see, and I know that this is, you know, hard because obviously the, you know, you, you might, you've got 6,000 fans at the first game, you know, maybe they go to a, place where they're like you know what we can't have any fans like let's just this is a bad idea like we want to be really extra careful extra safe and they just you know so maybe it doesn't return to normal at all this year right but at some point like you're going to have to make your home games an advantage right that's the one thing that we've consistently seen not the one thing we've seen a billion terrible things uh, that they're really consistent at, you know, being terrible and churning through coaches in front offices and, you know, but since 99, there hasn't been a home field advantage, right? 
like the fact you go to up and down the schedule and you want to say, hey, you know what? Great news. The Colts game, the Houston game, the Philadelphia game, they're all at home. But it's like, but that hasn't, that's not an advantage. Nobody's scared to come to Cleveland to play the Browns, right? So that's got to change, right? You have to protect home field. You have to make it an advantage, you know, which it should be, right? That's one of the things that we, you know, look at in the NFL and say, it's, you know, home, are you at home? That's good. You know, you have the advantage there. So that's something that needs to turn around immediately. And then, you know, winning, uh, winning games in your division. Okay. Like minimum this year, you have to go three and three minimum, right? Like you have to, you got to beat Cincinnati twice. Um, you need to split with Pittsburgh minimum. And you, you know, if you drop both to Baltimore, okay, that's understandable considering that's a, they're a better team. Okay. Um, if you can come up with a split there too, and you go four and two, great. That's great. But three and three is the bare minimum, right? If you're a two and five team in your division or two and four, excuse me, like that's a, that's a huge problem, right? A huge problem because it starts with your division. The, the, the team that wins the division gets to go to the playoffs automatically, right? So that's the number one thing. Winning your division is so, so, so important in the NFL. You do have an extra wild card this year. There are seven teams. That's great. And you can make it that way, but like, it's just, you know, why do you have to, right? Like just lock it up, win the division. Now I agree with you that they're not as good as the Ravens. And I don't think they're going to win the division over the Ravens this year, just being realistic about it. Right. But I, I also don't think looking at the schedule, I don't think, I think nine and seven or possibly 10 and six is pretty realistic. Okay. Um, I think the, you know, the, the two games against Baltimore at Dallas, uh, you know, you got to hold serve with Indy at home. You got to hold serve with uh, Houston at home, um, Philadelphia at home. You have to go to Tennessee, you know, so but there are a lot, you know, you've got you get Washington, uh, you get the Jets and the Giants this year. Right. You get Jacksonville this year. Like you've got yeah. some teams that are going to be some of the worst teams in the NFL. So, you know, you win those games, you take care of business when you should. Um you know, and you take care of, uh, you know, stuff at home, you take care of your division, you know, that's when you can start to go, okay, look, nine and seven, 10 and six, you come in second in the AFC North and you're most likely going to be a playoff team. So I would say that for me, that's, what's realistic, um, you know, for this season, I think that's what, uh, it's fair to expect. I think eight and eight should be your, your floor basically. And maybe 10, maybe 11 wins. If you really, if it really gels, and the stuff, you know, the injuries on defense, Delpit and Mac Wilson, like they're not, um, they figure out how to overcome that stuff. You get really good play from Garrett. Uh, Vernon stays healthy, let's say. Sheldon Richardson puts a nice year together for you. Yeah. Like if that defensive line controls uh, games up front, you know, and the, and, it, and the offense is clicking and it works like we think it's going to, like we hope it's going to, then yeah, I think, you, you know, nine and seven, 10 and six is, is realistic. Uh, 11 would be the ceiling, eight's the floor for me. So, but yeah, I think that's, those are my expectations for the Browns in 2020. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a year that you can actually be confident in them and not sound like a dipshit. Right. To Agreed. say the least. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just excited for to see, um, in my heart, I'm fully expecting to lose week one and my only, the only thing I want to see from the Browns is improvement and good body language. Right. Right. Like that's, that's really all I want to see how Stefanski handles the team. I want to see Baker command the offense. Right. Are you going to go to Baltimore and get whipped? Or are you going to go there and play, you know, a real tight, tough game where it just goes back and forth and, you know, maybe the, the better team wins because they're, well, they're, they're better obviously. And they're at home, you know, maybe that's, maybe those are the two most important. Fa- and that's, 
that's what you expect, right? When you have a good team in the NFL and you're a fan of a good team, like you expect that. Look, when sometimes you go to play a better team on the road, like you're going to lose those games. Like it happens, right? So, you know, that's realistic. But if you go there and get whipped, right? Like it's like this 33 to seven game, you know, you're just like, we don't, that's the worst part is when you, you have to, as a fan, you leave that game and you don't know anything about this team, right? Nothing. If they go there and they play a tough game and it's a real close game and Baltimore just happens to have the ball last and, you know, they win touchdown or field goal wins the game, whatever. Okay, fine. You hung in there. You know, that's, that tells you a lot about the team. You got a lot of information, right? You go there and get whipped and it's like, well, now what, what are we just a bad roster? Do they not have an offensive game plan? Like, was it, you know, was it turnovers? Was it the fact that they're on the road? Like you, you have a thousand questions that you're going to ask as a fan and none of them will be answered. Right. Until you see maybe they week two and they play the Bengals and it's like, all right, well now what, you know, now what do we know? So I, we just, we ideally, you know, whether you win or lose this week, you, you see, um, you just see a confident team, you know, you see uh, a game plan on offense and you see solid play on defense, right? You're not giving up big plays. Make you're not missing tackles, you know, missed assignments, things like that. Like, you know, we just see a really solid effort on both sides of the ball and on special teams. So that's what I'm looking for. If if that's what I see, then I don't want to say the loss doesn't matter, but it's it's going to be a way less, you know, uh, detrimental to my psyche as a Browns fan. Let's put it that way. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. I think that's exactly what they need to do and. uh Honestly, I think they'll actually go and do it. We got live football. The Browns are back in less than six days, man. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. This is yeah. unbelievable. We finally made it. Um, yeah, I it's it really crept up on me. I didn't really realize until a couple of days ago that it's like, wow, Browns yep. football in ten days, and yep. I it blew my mind. I know. Um, but yeah, we're gonna. John and I are gonna try to stay up to date on across the Browns. No, we went away for a while. Thank you. For those of you that are back listening, I'm sorry yeah. about that, but things got weird. You, yeah, you, it was a weird summer, but we're back now. So uh, look out for um, what's called the uh, the betting DFS pods that are going to come out for, you know, on the uh, across the board. Uh, that'll be the across the board show. But uh, yeah. And then um, thanks for listening. Uh, the um, my uh, article about the top 10 NFL games that I'm most excited for part one is on the website now, you know, it, it across the board or uh, atb.com uh, or no, that net, sorry, excuse me, uh, across the board. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then part two, uh, I'm just finishing it up. So hopefully get it up today or tomorrow, but uh, before the season starts, obviously. So uh, we'll do, that'll be the top five, you know, games, games five through one that I'm most excited for this year. Uh Bills fans should check out part two. Browns fans should check out part two. Um, Kansas City fans should check out part two. So there's there's some really cool games in there. That's for sure. Um, so, yeah, look out for that. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Cleveland Spider. It's uh, Spider with a Y, S-P-Y-D-E-R. Um, but, yeah, we're looking forward to uh, getting the season kicked off. Absolutely. The... Now Cleveland Indians are going to have to contact you for legal reasons next year when they change their name to the Cleveland Spiders. You should change it to Cleveland Spiders with an so, S. And I tr- the, initially when I tried, uh, I was Cleveland Spider. I tried S-P-I-D-E-R, but somebody had that handle already. And I was like, dang it. So that's why I changed it to a Y because I still wanted it. But, you know, so that's the uh, that's the origin of that. I was like, darn it. How did somebody have Cleveland Spider already? So, but yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> But yeah, either way, you're right. I know, and I hope they do. That'd be so cool, man. Cleveland Spiders, that'd be a lot of fun. 
That's a great name. Um, yeah, you can find me at Chandler Adams with two S's on across all social medias. And yeah, download, sub- subscribe. Rate read. us on iTunes, please. Yeah, or do nothing. It's fine, too. I, I respect it. <laughs> um, all right, everyone. Have a good one. All right, y'all. Take care. NFL football coming up. Can't wait.